have your Bibles, Numbers chapter 14, this evening. Amen. I want to encourage you. Sunday was the day of Pentecost, just commemorating and celebrating that. And so, uh, Sunday morning, we looked at the evidence of speaking in tongues. And I'd encourage you, if you're unable to be here for that, you listen to that. And then Sunday night, we looked at prophetic versus personal tongues. Amen. Just uh, uh, expounding on 1 Corinthians 14, often misquoted, and uh, we looked at that and the presence of tongues in the assembly in the church, and that'll greatly help you in your understanding, and so I'd encourage you to take note of those two sermons. Amen. Praise God. Numbers uh, chapter 14, it was... By way of illustration, Charles Francis Adams, he was a 19th century political figure, and he kept a diary of his daily routines. And one day, he put into his diary, he wrote down this entry, he said, went fishing with my son today, a day wasted. His son, Brooke Adams, also kept a diary. And on the very same day, Brooke Adams made this entry. Went fishing with my father, the most wonderful day of my life. I thought about this because you and I, we can see things totally different and opposite than our kids see things. We can view life and the deposits that we're making into their lives, we can miss the value of it. We can miss the importance of what we are doing as parents if we are not careful. Tonight, I want to answer this question. It's a question that Christian parents struggle with. It's a question that believers wrestle with when it comes to their children. And it's this. If I become radically committed to the gospel, if I become a sold-out believer in every decision, in every action, in every thought, in every deed, if I commit myself to the work of the church, Without compromise, without flinching, will it hurt my children? This is a question that surprisingly believers struggle with. In the scripture that we're going to look at tonight, we do read about this very thing. This very issue of our children and the things of God. And we're going to continue our sermon series, Winning When Worried. The scripture that connects this is Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A worry in the Christian walk is a worry for our children. And let's look tonight at Numbers chapter 14. 
Beginning in verse 1, it says, And all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we have died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? Verse 3, and therefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be prey. Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? Let's pray tonight. Father God, I'm asking right now, Lord, that you are going to give clarity tonight. God, I pray you would encourage parents tonight. Lord, let us see the desperate need Oh, to be an example, God, and the desperate need that we have to impart the things of God into our children, into our teenagers. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's look tonight at uh, the winning when worried. This is number three. Let's look tonight at my kids and God's will. Let's look firstly, let's set a foundation. Let's look at parents. Nature is to nurture. A sad element of our society is that many parents have given up on their children. We live in a day and age when there are millions, millions of children that are living either without any kind of guidance or supervision or they're living with very little guidance or supervision from their parents. This has become a common thing in our day and age of fatherless homes, broken homes, all the different factors. Today we have left, right? We wonder sometimes why the education system has so much say is because of the withdrawing of the parent from the home and education has taken over the instruction on raising our children. They receive more from the people they hang out with than their parents. They receive more and learn about life from what they read and see on the internet or what they hear from the music or what they see on movies and television, etc. And many parents have become completely uninvolved in their children's lives. This can be for a number of reasons. This can be Number one is it is rooted in selfishness, right? We have uh, 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 such uh, uh, people becoming parents at such young ages. And in their mind, I haven't gotten to finish having fun. I haven't gotten to finish uh, growing up. And so out of selfishness, they neglect uh, their children. Sometimes it's because of busyness. Right, we are a generation where sometimes parents are both uh, are working multiple jobs, or because of a broken home, they have to dedicate so much time uh, to work and making ends meet that there's a neglect that comes. But the God-given tendency is that a parent is protective over their children. We are designed. To shelter our children. We are designed to nurture and impart and correct and give instruction 
until they get into their adulthood. This is something that is hardwired into our nature, right? Every species, their natural tendency is to protect and defend their young. They guard and protect and overshadow Hosea 13, 8. God speaks through the prophet and says, I will meet them like a bear deprived of her cubs. Talking about quickly coming and receiving the children of Israel. Psalms tells us as a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. That is a picture of God's love. So here it is hardwired into nature. It is to nurture and protect the young. This is a desire that is natural. It is good and it is God-given. It is to protect and nurture our children. But true nurturing tonight, what it really means is having a child's best interest in mind. That's what true nurturing is. Right? Most parents know what is best for their kids. Right? Not what they want. And we've all met that kid. Right? That's part of... I know what's best for you. No, you cannot have candy for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Right? Even though that's what they want. So, this is true, but most parents, or many parents, have never considered what is best for your children might not be what you want. It might not line up what is best for them. See, there are things, as parents, there are things. We give our best, right? Uh, uh, Pastor Mitchell has said, you don't know how to raise a child until they're 18 and out of the house. (laughs) Then you look back, okay, that's how you do it, right? But here is, is we do our best, We give our best, but there are things that we cannot possibly know for our children. There are plans that God has for our kids that go far beyond our understanding. It goes far beyond what we know. And so ultimately, the best for our children is God's will for their lives. Ultimately, that is the best plan, is them pursuing God's will for their life and you pursuing God's will for your life. And here we see this parental nurturing, this cry in our text. We have done what God wants us to do. They are about to go into the promised land, but there's a problem. Yes, it's everything that God has said it would be, but there's giants, but there's uh, all the ites that we have to take over. And how is that going to impact? Who are they concerned about? Their children. Verse 3, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? This is a cry made from a nurturing parental 
desire. Let's look secondly then at Satan's exploitation of nurturing. So the common worry in a church is, will my commitment to God hurt my children? Right? This is what parents struggle with. Verse 3, the, again, the cry of our text, Why has the Lord brought us to this land that our children should become victims? Right? They're going to be exposed to harm. They're going to be exposed to the enemy. They're crying out as a protection for their kids. In their eyes, the price for moving forward, the price for taking the land was going to be paid by their kids. Right here, they've made it out of Egypt. God has brought them through the sea. He has parted and spared them. Egypt and Pharaoh and his men are consumed and drowned. And here they are. They've made their way now to enter into the promised land. And they're looking at the commitment they have made. They're seeing the obstacles. They're seeing the opposition. And they think, we were committed. This was a good idea. But now, little Johnny's going to have to pay for this. They're afraid. Will my commitment hurt my children? Why did God bring us here to hurt our kids? That's what the question, uh, what the question they're asking. And this is a fear that parents today struggle with. Number one is they fear that their kids won't grow up normal if we're too radical for the things of God. Or if we're too intense about Christianity. It's a common statement I've heard is I don't want to hurt them. I don't want to force them. I don't want to push them away from the things of God, so out of fear, parents begin to pull back. Out of fear, maybe we've seen, right? There, there's the extreme case of a family that is warped by hyper-religion. So we think, well, I don't want that. So we pull back. But how many know tonight, a decision made in fear is rarely ever a good decision. Others say things like, I don't want my kids to miss out on certain things. I don't want my kids to miss out on certain activities. I don't want my kids to miss out on certain relationships. Newsflash, they didn't know they were missing out until you started talking about it. They had no idea you were bring, what you have brought them up is in is normal. But here, right, is, is if I pursue ministry, man, my children, they won't have a normal life. If I'm involved and if I give my life and I dedicate and I make stance, man, they're going to miss out on so much. They're not going to be like all the other kids. Like pregnant, drug addicted, foul mouthed, 
I'm at the park the other day with my kids. Nine, 10, 11 year olds cussing like sailors. We don't want them to miss out on that. Washed out by the time they're 30 because sin has destroyed their lives. One in five girls will be a victim of rape on prom night. We don't want them missing out on that now, do we? So as a result, we tone down. We tone down our own consecration. We tone down on what we expect from our children or what we expect in our own salvation. And it's not that we necessarily backslide and grow fangs and tattoo 666 on our foreheads. We just ease up. We just pull back. We just slow down and just do a little bit less for God. And we work really hard to try to find that perfect middle ground between radical, on-fire Christian and sinner. And our kids, we expect less of them. We don't encourage them for ministry. We don't enforce standards. We allow them to make choices. I had a pastor friend who had an event coming up and a young man who showed great potential and desire to be in ministry and he wanted to check with his parents and so... Turns out he wasn't involved, so asked this young man, you know, what, what happened? And uh, uh, wound up talking to the mom about why she didn't encourage her son to get involved with ministry. She said, well, I don't want to force my opinions on him. I want to let him be his own person. This pastor asked, then why are you and your husband trying to manipulate him into joining basketball? And direct his career path. See, I find it strange that many parents are deathly afraid of urging their kids to get involved with something that is larger than their life. Let's take them here. Let's take them there. Let's encourage this. Uh, motivate them there. Extracurricular activities. But outreach? Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Pump the brakes, brother. Involved in ministry, laboring for the things. Now, that's extreme. And as pastors, we can find ourselves in an odd position of having to fight parents to let their kids be Christians. Kids that want to get involved, kids that want to be in ministry, but parents pushing them into other things. Really, those things mean nothing in life or eternity. Yet, for the kingdom of God, they could make such tremendous impact. Their lives can go beyond measure. The things they can do for God. 
I admire reading the reports from Prescott sending 12, 13, 14-year-olds to our pioneer churches, and they're coming back. We prayed with 120. We prayed with 75. Uh, Pastor Heinberg sent uh, his uh, son's band. They're all 14, 15, maybe 16 years old uh, into Colorado. They're praying for the sick, and people are getting healed. Uh, Why wouldn't you want that for your kids? It was Eric Liddell, he was a Scottish athlete and rugby international player. You might have remembered him from Chariots of Fire. He was also a a missionary. And he chose between Christianity and competing in an Olympic race. It was at the summer uh, uh, Olympics in 1924 in Paris that Liddell refused to run his favored 100 meters because they were on Sunday. He instead competed in the 400 meters, which he won. Then he returned to China in 1925 to serve as a missionary teacher there. He devoted 20 years of his life to China. And today he's marked not as a great runner, but as a famous missionary. That's what he's known for. This is what you can motivate your children to. But the problem is... When we pull back out of fear, out of worry, out of concern for our kids, which is a lie from hell, there's a deadly consequence that we have to consider. And that's that you will, you will create two generations of lukewarm Christians. Yourself and your children. We're so afraid of stunting them in the secular world that we pull back from the things of God, and we become ineffectual, but also they could miss their calling. And our faith becomes so watered down, it's little more than religion. It's something that's second to in life, and this creates a cycle of lukewarm Christians. Let's close then. Let's look at God's care for our children. See, there's a powerful lesson here in our scripture. Three things to look at and consider. Number one is God ultimately knows better. See, when God calls us to sacrifice certain things, when God calls us to consecrate our lives, when he calls us to commit to him, to take up the cross and follow him, There's something within us. Immediately we begin to analyze. We begin to logically begin to approach and weigh out the details. And well, let's think about this. If I commit, what's the career cost? What is it going to cost the kids? How will it affect the present situation? Want to analyze everything. But what we don't realize And what we fail to remember is God has already worked out the details. If we would just commit and pursue what God... He's already worked out the details. He already knows the end result. Right? God doesn't ask a single one of us to do something that he hasn't measured and fully understood himself. He already has it figured out. He knows better... And he will help you. That's the hope. 
is that God will help you when you trust him and commit. Number two is the very thing that the parents in our text were afraid of. The very thing they feared is what became a blessing to their children. We read the parallel of this in Deuteronomy 1 and verse 39. It says, moreover, uh, uh, are coming in, I'm sorry, to the promised land. Moreover, your little ones and your children, who you say will be victims, who today have no knowledge of good and evil, they shall go in there, talking about the promised land, and to them I will give it, and they shall possess it. Here they were worried about the cost, and they caused themselves to wander 40 years in the desert, And who reaped the benefit? Their kids. The thing they feared, they lost, and God gave it to the next generation. The parents feared the battle. The parents feared the commitment. But God knew the blessing beyond the battle. And God was going to help them the whole way through. See, for us, we fear, oh, if I sacrifice this or if I commit to that, it's going to hurt them. No, no, no. God knows what doors can be opened for them. God knows what things they and greater things they can do for God's kingdom when the parents set the course. My parents dealt with all sorts of family losses in making stands. But their stands became our greatest blessing. Their stands played out to our benefit. Their stands that broke family curses, that broke generational curses, that broke inherited curses, set a path for us that played out to our blessing. My wife's parents pursuing ministry wholeheartedly through every setback, nine bad pastors, all sorts of failure with uh, uh, churches that he built up and, and, and things happened and all sorts of chaos, uh, pastoring in four nations. But today, his children are saved in ministry because of a path that was set. See, the very thing we fear, God knows the blessing it can become. Number three is that God is involved in protecting our children. Deuteronomy 140, again, as they're getting ready to go into the promised land, it says, But as for you, turn and take your journey into the wilderness by way of the Red Sea. Here is God. He was upset with those who held back from committing to what God had. He was not happy with those who used their children as an excuse. But here he shows us that if you will commit your life to doing what he has called, what God has asked of you, what God has urged you to do, you can rest assured he will take care of your family. Don't you think God wants to bless those who obey him? Don't you think God wants to bless the sacrifices you have made for him? Hebrews 11 and verse 6, but without faith it is impossible, impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Doesn't God reward people who pursue his will? That includes your family. God's going to help you and help them. Think about Noah. He obeyed God. He made a stand. He made some sacrifices. But while the world perished, his family was preserved. God will help you. David obeyed God and through him, the Savior, through his family line, the Messiah came. What? Because he made some stands. God will bless those who surrender their entire lives to his purpose, including their families. I close with this story tonight. Two men that both got saved at a young age. One surrendered wholeheartedly to God, became a pastor, pursued the things of God. The other, also saved at a young age, was begin to use radically in the local body. Both of these men wound up uh, getting married uh, in their churches, and both of them had a family. But both each, they, they had a son about the same time. And of these two men, one man continued in ministry, pastoring, laboring, pursuing the things of God. The other became off and on within the local body, in ministry, out of ministry, in church, out of church. One day, years later, these two sons from these two men, they were driving together. As they were driving one of the sons was texting, and the other son was keeping an eye. He said, hey, you're going off the road. And he looked up, turned, swerved, overcorrected, hit an embankment, went airborne, slammed the car upside down, rolled a number of times. At the time of the accident, the man who became a pastor was missionarying overseas. The other man, at the time, again, not involved in ministry, and hit and miss in church. For the missionary's son, that wreck changed his life. That wreck transformed him. Today, that, that son is saved. He is married, and he's pastoring his second church. The other son is not saved and hasn't been since the accident. Today, the missionary is still pastoring back in the domestic U.S., but the other man is not even saved, divorced from his wife, and all three of his children are not saved today. The point is not become a pastor or else, that's not the point. The point tonight is that the direction of life is determined by decisions. And every decision that you make as a parent will either close or open doors for your children. Every decision you make is having impact. And every decision is determining a trajectory. We don't wind up in places 
overnight. It is a process of choices. It is a process of decisions. The real question we need to ask tonight is this. If I don't commit to God, will it hurt my children? The answer is yes, it will have an impact. The answer is yes, it will play out in the kids. You have an opportunity, amen, to even tonight, maybe you've not made all the best decisions or been the best example or encouraged the best towards their salvation. The hope is you can start tonight and God can get supernaturally involved and God can help you no matter where you're at, young or teenager or as they're coming into young adult, it doesn't matter. Can I tell you tonight that God loves them more than you do? And that he wants to help you help your kids. Amen. Here tonight, uh, there's a hope is that we can give our children a fighting chance in salvation. Amen. Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed tonight. Amen. Very quickly, I want to give the opportunity. You're here tonight, either by invitation or you're here and your heart is not right with God. Your sins are not forgiven. You do not have tonight the assurance that you would make heaven your home. I want to tell you and declare to you tonight that there is hope. That Jesus Christ paid in full for your sins upon a cross that 2,000 years he loved you so much, He left His throne in heaven, He lived a sinless life, and He allowed that life to be hung on a cross for you. He loves you, He cares for you, He wants to give you a brand new start, a brand new life, and that's, that can happen tonight through a simple prayer, a prayer of salvation, a prayer of repentance, inviting Jesus into your life. And I wonder, you're here tonight, your heart's not right with God, your sins are not forgiven. You lift your hand and say, that's me, pastor, tonight. I want to get my heart right quickly. Left to right, front to back, man, woman, boy, or girl, maybe you're backslidden in this place. At one time you knew the love of God, but tonight you're far from God. Uh, tonight uh, there's areas in your life you are not doing right, you're not doing well. Uh, amen. Can I tell you, God is not mad at you or angry with you. He wants to help you tonight. He wants to turn things around. I wonder how many would there be unsaved or backslidden. Quickly, lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't, be embarrassed. Don't worry about what people think. Who cares? Worry about God tonight. He's knocking on your heart's door. You'd lift your hand quickly. I want to pray with you. Left to right, front to back, quickly. God is here. Respond. Lift your hand. I just want to pray a prayer. Amen. Praise God. Speaking to Christians then. Winning when worried. We can worry as parents or maybe parents-to-be about our children and their future and their lives. And, but with that comes the worry of hell, the lie of the enemy, that if I become committed to the things of God, will it hurt my children? No, the right question is if I don't. If I don't commit... Will it hurt? It will have an impact. 
I'm not saying it's a hopeless case, but it definitely will have an impact. And I use that, that story, that's a real story of real people, of a real family, of a real man that I observed personally making carnal choices, withdrawing, allowing things in, toning down, pulling back, and seeing today, like I said, what a tragedy. What a tragedy to have raised his children up until their teenage years. The youngest was maybe 12 or 13 by the time he left, divorced his wife, left. Now all three in their adulthood, not a single one saved. What a tragedy. But here on the other side of the coin, a man who said yes to God. A man who said yes and leading his family and said, God, whatever you have and taking his family even overseas to one of the most dangerous nations in the world and trusting that God had his best interest at heart, that he had his family's best interest. And today, a different story. That can be the hope tonight. That can be your portion. See, God knows better. God is going to take care of your kids. That as you make right decisions, you'll break certain curses. You'll break certain habits. You'll break family curses and inherit and give your children a fighting chance to blessing that God will protect them. Amen. What God can do through your kids, they're not missing out on anything. They're being spared from a wicked world, from heartache, and ultimately from hell. Amen. These altars are open. We're going to stand together. I believe God has spoken to hearts. I want to encourage you. Come lay hold of God tonight. Uh, amen. As we sing a song. Hallelujah. <coughs> Lord, we lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing I'm so glad you're in my life I'm so glad you came to save us You came from heaven to earth To show the way from the earth to the cross My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the cross to the cross. My debt to pay. From the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky, Lord, I lift your name on. You came from heaven. 
You came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross. My debt to pay from the cross to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, I lift your name on. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise tonight. Father God, we.